It's Friday morning. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I've got my main man, David D. Austin, to my right, and What's my up? closet main man across from me, Jerry Shaw. Hello, hello. We have the great South Cox on uh, the line <laughs> and Troy with Hunt Wars. And this podcast is going to be about uh, me trying not to get my butt kicked by South uh, in Arizona on the Hunt Wars TV show, which Troy has come up with. So thanks for hopping on, guys. I was actually thinking it was going to be about me not getting my butt kicked. <laughs> As you hey, know, the... this, isn't, this isn't usually how two heavyweights trash talk. Usually, yeah. uh, you're going to get your butt kicked. So, right, kind right. Of work on that. maybe we need to, yeah, take a new approach here. Yeah. Gloves off, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, um, everybody I'm sure knows South that's listening in, uh, owner of Stalker Stick Bows, uh, been in the, the industry or whatever you want to call it for many years. Uh, he has a DVD, uh, hunting shows, uh, YouTube South, I guess you've written for two or three different, very well-known publications for long periods of time. So, uh, definitely the goat in the industry. And then Troy, I've just gotten to know you. You've kind of created this whole hunt worse thing. You want to tell everybody about it? Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I'm super excited to uh, to be kind of on here with you guys and kind of explain the the first season of Hunt Wars. We came up with the idea uh, a year or so ago about you know competition and hunting, and it was actually just kind of spawned from. My background, I'm a, a collegiate athlete and I have com- competed in, in Ironmans and whatnot. And so I wanted to kind of bring that same spirit to hunting. And we decided to start a reality TV show. So this is reality of hunting. It's a, we started with four elk teams this year. We had, we took applications. Um, and I, uh, you know, we took applications from the general public. We, we selected individual teams. And then we sent them to New Mexico um, hunting, and they hunted the same week, and uh, were in the same area, so that there was a level playing field. They'd never stepped foot in that area before, and had just an absolute ball. We had a team from Alabama and a team from Utah that was more of an inexperienced matchup, and then our experienced matchup was a team from Montana versus a team from Colorado. And now we're on to the mule deer hunt, and it's exactly the same, and this is going to be kind of a primitive weapon brand matchup is kind of what we're calling it at Hunt Wars, where we have two uh, well-known brands in the industry that uh, are going to go and compete against each other. And so it's a, it's a really, you know, our, our whole uh, goal in the show is to keep great ethics in hunting, pick great teams to go out and hunt these hunts. Guys get to go get a bunch of gear sponsored. We have Leopold. We have, you know, uh, a lot of different gear sponsors for the guys. And then on top of that, um, they go compete against another team for the week and see you know, who can, who can prevail. And so it's kind of a cool concept. And, and like I've, you know, said before, we don't do any retakes. It's a reality TV show. It's, it's the, the cold hard facts of hunting and what the general public deals with on a day-to-day basis. And these aren't high-fence hunts. They're not private land hunts. Like, we, we supply the hunt, and, uh, and then guys go and hunt it. And I, I think we're hunting with Big Chino down in Arizona. Um, it's an o- over-the-counter tag for you two. And the coolest part about this is, is you know, I've known Kafaro for a long time, 
South. I used to watch South when he, you know, was filming for Eastman's Hunting Journal when he was just a little kid, it seemed like, out there in mm-hmm. Nevada killing bucks. And so this is kind of a cool matchup just for me personally to have you two come and compete, uh, you know, on the show. And so that's kind of the, the, the lay of the land of the show. And then the scoring is kind of a unique way. We've kind of come up with a cool scoring mechanism and so we've actually had it, uh, we set it up where it's the total gross score of the animal um, plus the maturity, and the maturity actually counts for double point. Um, we want to make sure we're targeting those more mature deer. And then shot yardage is a deduction, and what I mean by that is 0 to 40 yards is a 0 point deduction, 40 to 60 yards is a 10 point, 60 to 80 is a 20 point, and 80 plus yard shot are uh, a 30-point deduction. Now, with you guys using primitive, you know, stick bows, uh, I don't think the 80-plus might be a, you know, I don't know, maybe, Aaron, you get frustrated and throw one at 90, which I know you could probably hit. We should get bonus <laughs> points for hitting it at 60, I, I think. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, we might have to revamp the scoring for this matchup. Well, I, you know, maybe we give you additional points if you could just poke the deer with your arrow instead of actually. <laughs> or maybe, maybe there's a quiver count, like how many arrows we have left in our quiver. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just. Yeah, that's good. A d- point deduction per arrow flung. Yeah. I just posted a photo where I have actually a quiver full with, with one bloody arrow in it. And, uh, I saw that. I, you would not, I mean, the amount of people that, that messaged me back were like, yeah, that, that does not happen. I've unloaded the quiver on more than one occasion. South, you probably have as well. Um, yep. Th- with the stick, they can't hear the bow go off. So actually sometimes it's advantageous because they, in fact, I think South, you had one on video. You missed the first shot and it ran closer, didn't it? When you were in that bristle. Yeah, I, yep. Yep, I shot a nice buck that way. I uh, I missed him at about uh, I think it was just under twenty, and then he ran closer to my effective <laughs> killing range. I got him. <laughs> I, yeah. I think also the scoring. We were just talking about this. I obviously have a, a very well known, a little bit of a sailor's mouth, and and Troy. This is going to be you know fun, uh, family fun. Um, I think I should get one point a day extra. If I do not drop any f bombs or anything like that, <laughs> additional. Uh, personally, I think. I mean, obviously, some people may disagree, but I'm fine with that as long as it's minus ten for every one you do. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll win no problem there. I was going to say maybe we need to have South kind of make that rule. Yeah. If it's a, do they have 500 uh, inch mule deer? Because I'm going to need that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they have any that are that, like 120 that years might, old. They might play out for South when we have to go. We might have to go to a shootout. So if nobody tags out, we go to a sudden death shootout. And if you're already negative, you know, 500 points. Like South kind of got it at the back at that point. I would think. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> I uh I the, this thing it's kind of in, intriguing. Um you know, how this, the, the, the hunt wars, like the concept behind it. I mean, for what was really cool, you know, for me with this was South, you were willing to do it. Cause very rarely are you going to get two stick bow guys on a, uh, you know, something televised and, and promoted. And I think it's a good chance for South and I to kind of talk about the, the cool things and people see 
how close we actually get and what it takes to to get that close. And South's a bit more of a ninja than me. I'm I'm fat and, and too big, but South, you, most of your shots have been sub twenty yards. Some of them, you know, quite a few of them sub ten yards. Uh, yeah, know, mine kind of lay. I've taken three animals at forty. The rest have been just because you got a stick in your hand and you're setting up for close shots. You know, for me, I mean, eight to twelve yards is is a, a, a happy home. Like I'm I'm happy when I can get that close. And I don't I don't think people realize it. How much was it an eye opener for you, South, when you went full time to the the stick bow, like you were already sneaky, but were you like a couple years into it? Like, wow, I'm amazed at how close I can actually get. Um, t- kind of talk about a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I shot a compound for decades before I went into shooting a stick bow full time. And, um, and I had dabbled in traditional archery, you know, during the time that I was hunting with a compound. So I, I didn't go into it totally blind. Um, and at the same time I was, um, you know, it's kind of pre, um, this time when guys were shooting, you know, we're talking about shooting a hundred yards and, and, uh, um, for me, my effective range, like if anything 60 and under was in real trouble with the compound for me. And it wasn't, you know, I wasn't as accurate out at those longer ranges. Um, but just, you know, going from, trying to get within 60 with a compound to trying to get under 20 with a recurve. I was pretty convinced that I was going to be a vegan hunter from here on out, (laughs) but, uh, or at that point on out. But fortunately, um, you know, I experienced success the, the first year that I made that transition and it gave me a good boost of confidence. Actually, I backpacked into an area with a compound and my stick bow anticipating that I would hunt mule deer with my, uh, with my compound and then elk with my recurve. And it actually ended up, I killed a buck on opening day with my recurve. Um, so it didn't quite play out like I had, had pictured, but from there on out, I, I was hooked and, uh, you know, and it proved to me that, that it can happen. I mean, the, obviously people have been, been shooting deer and elk and everything with a, with traditional archery equipment, for decades, but it's kind of, you got to prove it to yourself. And there's always that transition time when, you know, you get within 50 yards and you're like, Oh man, the compound, this thing would be dead. And, and I still have to, you know, now do the, the harder work and close that extra distance. But for me, that's really kind of what's rewarding is doing is that problem solving, you know, and figuring out how to, to close that extra 25 or 30 yards to really get in super tight. Now, Troy, are you going to try to capitalize on the the stick bow portion of this and the filming, and meaning you know some of the the, the different knowledge that South or I may put out there, um, you know, on the stocks and maybe where it's a little bit, you know, more forefront and South and I's mind as far as noise and getting close. Are are you guys going to try to capitalize on that or just film it like a normal, you know, show or or, or is there some? Um, no, yeah, I mean that's that's what makes this like you know, a dream matchup for me and for Hunt Wars uh, as a show is the knowledge that guys will be able to pull from this. So uh, we've had multiple conversations with our videographers that they're going to be asking why a lot. Why? Why are you doing that? Why about, you know, so uh, I hope you guys aren't going to be, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of questions that the videographers are probably going to just be asking so that the general public will be able to, you know, guys that are watching this will 
be able to pull that and and learn from this matchup. I mean, just listening to you guys talk, like I'm an I'm an avid archer and and I've you know shot compound bow for a lot of years and to hear you guys talk about you know I'm always trying to get to 50 yards and you guys is, feels like your stock starts at 50 yards. Like it's just a total different. And I've you know I've heard Sal talk about how you know, going from a rifle to a to archery equipment is such a big leap. I feel like it's kind of that same leap from from a compound bow to a stick bow in the fact that that last thirty yards you can't step on a stick wrong, you can't rub your pants wrong, you can't you cannot afford to make those types of mistakes. And so, capturing that with our you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit concerned with our video guys being quiet, and not blowing stocks. So we're probably going to have to set back a little bit and let you guys do your thing. Um, but I'm really excited for the educational part to listen to you and Sal talk about the, the different stocks you do and the different things you do during a stock that maybe a normal traditional archery guy wouldn't think about. Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity too for, you know, a lot of guys that are hunting with a compound currently who have been thinking about, um, hunting with traditional equipment to pick up some tips and, and, uh, hopefully inspire some more people to, to, uh, join. South, what's your closest, uh, traditional archery kill or harvest or whatever I'm supposed to say? Uh, probably in that 10 to 12 foot range. Um, I, I stocked up on a mule deer that was bedded kind of below a rock and I, uh, um, you know, crept up to the edge of the rock and looked over and then, uh, you know, put my, extended my left foot while I was kind of leaning back at the same time, drew my bow, you know, hit full draw and then leaned out at full draw and uh, shot him, you know, right between the shoulder blades straight down. And I've shot actually a number of mule deer like that in, in that, you know, similar circumstance. And, that's uh man, you talk about hitting the red line and the adrenaline meter. It's it's an incredible experience. Once you have experienced something like that, it, it's hard to think about shooting something at fifty or sixty or, or plus yards and and uh you know, having any level of excitement. And that's not to knock, you know, compound guys or, or whatever. I, I did that for years and really enjoyed it while I did it. But um man, I tell you, if you want to experience new highs and adrenaline getting to sub, you know, 10 yards, uh, within any animal. Um, and I think it, you know, it really is exciting. That's one of the things I really love about hunting mule deer is that their, the terrain they live in is kind of tailor made for spot and stock. And, uh, in that style of hunting, you know, you're kind of emulating a mountain lion, uh, and, uh, and, you know, really kind of exercising the, the definition of being a predator. Um, versus, um, and, and this is not to knock, you know, hunting out of a tree stand because I love doing that too when, when I get the opportunity. But at that point, you know, when you're hunting out of a tree stand, you're, you're kind of, it's a chess game, but everything or most everything is done up front from a, the standpoint of planning where you're going to put your tree and, or rather put your tree stand and, you know, over what trail and, and the wind direction and, and so your your um your plays are all done for the most part ahead of time versus when you're on the ground and trying to figure out you know your next move it's uh man talk about adrenaline it's it's pretty amazing i just had a a, a client down in the a davis mountains for for mule deer and in south you can appreciate this but we're you know, he's fairly green and we're glassing up several bucks and 
he sees me shooting azimuths and taking pictures and drawing maps and taking notes. And he's like, what, man, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I can barely find my shoes in my house in the morning. Mm-hmm. We've got to walk a mile and a half and find something the size of a stop sign and then shoot it. I need all the help I can get to get you there. And I was like, cause there's, I said, it seems like we're going to find it really easy. But when we start this, we get over there and we're going to look, everything looks like the dark side of the moon. All the bushes look the same and we have to find an animal without him detecting us and then get, you know, sub 20 yards, 25 yards. Cause he had a stick bow. And I said, so man, I'm, I'm taking notes. Cause I keep a little notepad of, of things to look for. I shoot an azimuth to get a back azimuth. So I know where I was and uh, the straight line distance where he will be when we, when we backtrack, which I'll go over all that, you know, while we're hunting. But I, how many times have you gotten lost on a stock? Cause it's happened to me more than I'd like to. And I'm not lost. I know where I am. I just don't know where the deer is. <laughs> how, how many times does that happen to you? I, I dude, I, I, I couldn't even count the number of times that's happened to me. And it's it, so embarrassing I'm not kidding you. The last stock that I made of this season, and I haven't even told the story yet. I uh, I actually backpacked into the area I'd been hunting, um, you know, d- during the first week of archery season in Colorado, and I and I didn't get a buck on that hunt. So I talked my wife and uh, um, you know me prying away for the last three days of the season, and and uh, I took my daughter with me this time. So I'm going to use that as my excuse as to why I was distracted, but it probably would have happened anyway. <laughs> but I uh, I spotted a buck on the other side of the basin, and this, I mean, to add insult to injury, I had stalked a deer bedded under this exact same rock three weeks before that first week of the season. So I've got even fewer excuses for screwing this up. Um, but the side of this hill has very few um, recognizable markers. And uh, I got over there. Um, so I even took a picture. Okay, so here's a step further. Another good tip is, you know, through your spotting scope, using your phone scope, um, take a picture with your phone and then go into your edit function on your phone there and, you know, circle the rock where the buck is bedded under. And then you can use that when you get um, across to the other side to help pick up landmarks, um, you know, adjacent rocks or, or maybe a small tree or, or a particular way the bushes are shaped or, or something like that. And it's a tremendous asset. Well, um, I did that the first week when I was out there and, uh, and, you know, did that all, marked it all up and everything. And, and, uh, so, um, I got over, found the, the rock and I got on top of the rock that first week. Well, I can't remember what happened, but it didn't play out that first week. But then, so now fast forward to the end of the season, and this is my last stock of the season, and I know this is going to be my last opportunity. So I take a picture through the phone scope, and then I was like, ah, you know, I've already been over there. I don't need to mark up my picture. So um, I took my daughter with me, and we, you know, tromped across the basin about three-quarters of a mile, got to the other side, I, I set her down about 100 yards from the rock, kind of around the corner of the roll of the hill, and I told her, it's going to be a while. I'm going to go sit on top of this rock, and uh, I'm going to, you know, wait for this deer to, to stand up. So you're going to you know, set her up with lunch and a drawing pad and all this. And so I went around the corner and found the rock and climbed up on top of the rock, and uh, 
So I'm sitting there and, you know, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, and I'm getting up and I'm walking over the edge of the rock kind of in my socks as quiet as I can. And, I mean, I'm literally less than 10 feet directly above because this rock is undercut. So the buck is bedded underneath this rock. And uh, so I, um, I, uh, I, you know, peer out over the edge knowing full well I can't see him, but I, you know, I can't help myself. I'm looking over the edge and, and I'm looking and I'm like, man, this, this doesn't quite look right. And uh, then, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, dude, you're just getting in your head, you know. And, and uh, so I went and I sat back down again and I'm waiting and waiting and two hours go by and I'm getting antsy now. It's like I'm starting to worry about how my daughter's doing. So I sneak back around the corner, check in with her, and then I um, tell her I'm going to be a while. So I come back around the corner again, and then I'm looking at my phone, the other picture on my phone, and I'm looking, and then I look up the hill and realize that I'm 75 yards too low, and the wind is blowing directly up to where that buck had been, you know, when I came around the corner. And I had just gotten tunnel vision, and I came in too low. And I, so I sat on that rock for two hours and probably blew that deer out in 30 seconds. The first 30 seconds that I was, uh, you know, sitting on that rock with uh, with him directly upwind and uphill of me. That has never happened to me. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Dude, I I passed I passed a deer with Frank. Uh, you know, it's two mile loop. You know, to get to it, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I'm creeping down on it. And Frank, you know, of course, later tells me, he's like, the moment you took your shoes off and went left, I knew we were screwed. And I'm like, well, that makes one of us. Cause I, I literally was positive. I even looked at my phone where I took the photos and shifted left purposefully and walked 15 yards to the left of a seven by nine, non-typical, and then watched uh-huh. it run out of my dreams. And you can talk about uh-huh. the cone of shame, two miles back of, uh, you know, with nothing in my hand. And, Frank's like, well, we got close. I'm like, yeah, that's not helping, Frank. Yeah, that's not helping at all. It it just it happens, um, you know. And and I do the same thing, South. You were talking about where I'll I'll take uh, a picture of the mountain range and put a dot on it where it is, and then I get it on the phone scope and I go through the spotter and I take photos of micro topography, and then I mm-hmm. I, I write down notes if it's applicable, you know, as well. And even still, it gets screwed up. Um, yeah. And, and if you don't have a flagger, like if you have a flagger, that's a big bonus. Um, oh, it's huge. You know, I was trying to explain to Cody, I'm like, dude, when I do these solo, I leave my pack and I put a giant orange panel on it and I shoot an azimuth to the deer, find out what's behind the deer that's known, take a back azimuth so I know the azimuth that, um, you know, I should be at to get back to my pack so I know the deer's in line. And if, you know, hopefully if I'm close enough, I actually range find certain things to get the depth right. So I know if I'm too close or far and I'll still screw that up with all that technology. So it, it is difficult to get close. But when you do, I think people, you know, if we're able to pull off, um, you know, obviously a good stock and get an animal on the ground, whether we do or not. I mean, I'm sure people will will, will learn a lot from both the good and bad things we do and laugh along with it if we do get lost on a stock which does happen there's it's just nothing no way around it yeah unfortunately <laughs> I, i'm gonna wait till uh till we get the technology they have in the military where you can shoot a laser you know laser beam over to where it is and somehow that marks it and then you can use your gps to guide you in i'll probably still screw that up but that would help yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed huh 
Well, I think uh, I actually think it's going to be really cool to see how this plays out because you guys, you know, hunt these high basins, and from what JP at Big Chino says, this is more of a desert type atmosphere where you're going to have the rolling hills and the cedars, and so you know everything looks the same with that. And I think having your spotters there is going to be a big deal for you guys, and just watching you guys, you know in an area you've never hunted before, you know, figuring out through the, the steps of, of you know, trial and error is going to be really cool for for guys to watch. I think that's going to be really, really valuable information. South, what's your what's your strategy? Uh, are you planning on holding out or are you going full rip potato chip? Well, considering that we're, we've got six days, which is, you know, shorter than what I'd like to have for a trad hunt, I'd, I'd like to have eight to ten, ideally, because there's, sometimes it just takes a while to put it together. Um, we're hunting terrain that we've never been in before, you know, in, in uh, or an area that we've never been in. It's public land. Uh, this will be the first time we're stepping foot in it. Then I am definitely... Um, I'm going to be holding out for the spiked fork on bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm figuring that, you know, 15 points of antler, inches of antler might win it. <laughs> it's, um, it'll be interesting because I've talked to JP a little bit and he just said, you know, there's not a ton of deer, but there's, there's big deer. And, and I didn't get to have a, you know, obviously we'll get to have a lot more of a conversation when we get down there, just laying us out. But really, I'm just hoping for one stock a day, right? If we can, if we can find one stock a day, that's more than a victory, you know, for me, for yeah. unknown areas and, and everything else. Cause in six days, if I can get on six stocks, I should be able to put, you know, one of them together. And I'm sure some people listening in are like, are you kidding? Well, I'm not kidding. Sometimes it takes, I don't, well, in 2018, which I'm I'm uh, totally blaming the hunting god for, because I was poking fun of South watching his his hunting video. He missed a few bucks, and I'm like, man, how did he miss all those? And then lo and behold, there I am, day 11, still hunting because I missed several <laughs> several deer. Yeah, and uh, it just it happens. It takes a while to put everything to you know together. Let alone, I mean, and you got to obviously hit it. So just getting the right stock and then keeping your your crap together and. I mean, this isn't that high stakes in the sense of it's only going to be televised and all of our friends are going to watch it. So I'm trying to keep that out of my mind that I don't do anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, well, when when we don't have controls of the editing room, it does make it a little more nerve-wracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm all ashamed or bashful of showing my follies and misses because, I you know, I certainly do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that um, that we can – put something together here and, and, uh, make the guys with stick bows, um, you know, proud. That's, there's a, certainly that element of pressure because, you know, when you're typically successful more often than not, and you're shooting trad equipment, there's, a, um, that's not par for the course by any stretch. I mean, what compound bows hunter success rate for deer, I'd be surprised if it exceeds 20% you know, in, in the Western states on the average. And then if you were to, to reduce that to traditional archery equipment, you're definitely in the single digits. And, uh, so to, to be able to consistently fill a tag with traditional archery equipment, it's by far, you know, it's not the norm. Um, and, uh, if Aaron and I could both shoot something on this trip, man, that'd be, it'd be incredible. South, do you, you, you and I are both 
pretty successful on most hunts we go on, right? We're, we're coming back with an animal. You ever find it strange when people are like, ask you like what happened? And it's like, uh, it's hunting <laughs> traditional archery happened. I mean, uh-huh. like they right. don't just tip over because the mighty South Cox or Aaron Snyder walked into the forest. It's just, sometimes it doesn't pan out. I got my, my butt kicked at elk, uh, this year you had all kinds of crazy issues on your mule deer hunt. Not only, um, we had a crazy storm, but you had half the state of Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona in your unit, and uh, things just don't always pan out, no matter how hard you try. It's just sometimes things don't, you know, work out, and when you're taking a weapon that you're limiting your distance from, for me, it once was 100 yards. Now I'm trying to get, you know, sub-30 is, uh, you know, great, sub-20 is a bonus. Uh, A lot can go on, and when you're you know, trying to shoot a four-year-old deer or older or, or, you know, a fairly mature deer, they kind of turn into a different animal at four to begin with. So yeah. uh, I may be in that fork and horn category too. If a two-point wins this thing, <laughs> we might still get made fun of, but at least there's a victor, right? Like, <laughs> Sure. Yeah, clear cut. Yeah. <laughs> I figure my chance of winning by shooting a fork by spike is probably higher than if we both go to a shoot off because <laughs> unless I can get in there and like unwind your bowstring or something, I'm, uh, I'm pretty screwed when that, that happens or if that happens. Uh, uh, Troy, where, where can people watch this? Like where can they tune in and, and are we going to be doing live updates and things like that? Like what's kind of the plan for, for the viewers? We are going to uh, air this on three different different platforms obviously we have our youtube channel we're going to be uh also on amazon prime guys can find it and then uh we're we're looking at our third platform as carbon tv um which is a really cool new kind of newer platform as well i'm sure a lot of a lot of guys already know about that but um the live updates is what i'm excited about um i mean aaron you'll be posting i'm sure some live stuff south post live stuff and then on our hunt wars with a z it's hunt wars instagram we'll be posting a lot of live stuff a lot of hype stuff uh leading up to the matchup i think we take off on the 13th um and uh start hunting the competition actually starts on the 14th and so it runs those six days and uh and and so we'll be updating people i'm i'm hoping we'll have cell service uh back in there uh, but yeah i I think this is going to be an amazing matchup. I'm super excited to have have you guys in camp. Um, you know, just the just the camaraderie, the the friends by night, the competitors by day uh, mentality is what we're what we're looking for. And everybody always competes. You know, whether you're competing like like you said, Aaron, you're competing a different with a different guy in the same basin, or you're competing against the animal. There's competition in hunting everywhere. And we just want to bring that to light and, and keep it ethical. We do have a, a draw blood, um, rule, which is, you know, as soon as an animal is hit, that is the animal that, that you're, uh, you're hunting the rest of, of the time. And we had an instance on our first, uh, in the elk matchups that we had a team hit an elk and they were, they were more than happy to hunt that elk for the rest of the time because they knew that, that they, they, they'd drawn blood. And I think that's just a, a cool, ethical way to, to be a hunter. And so that, that's kind of the, the rules that we follow. And, and I think that it helps 
show the competition level, but also keep the true outdoorsman world where where you guys are true outdoorsmen to me. You know, when I look at it, I look at at you guys as as those guys that are at the you hold that animal at the highest respect, and I think hunting needs to have more of that. Uh, do do we get like a point if we draw blood? Can you win by a point? You can't win by a point, but if you have a two-by-one that you shoot at 20 yards, hey, a 22 could be a great score. That could be a great score. Well, I guarantee I'll win at that point because there will be an F-bomb from Aaron, and so that'll that'll push me over the top. (laughs) Yeah, negative five. Dang. Uh, I think I've made it through this so far. 32 minutes I haven't cussed yet. I'm doing good. Jerry's giving me the nod, so there maybe there's hope. Now, we're bringing uh, spotters. We haven't really talked about that. As you, I'm bringing uh, Scotty Campbell. He's the dude I help uh, guide for in Texas, and then a guy I hunt with quite a bit. Um, and then, South, who are you bringing? Well, we're flying into Vegas, so I'm picking my spotter up on the way through in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the... One of the ladies walking the street. <laughs> no, I, I got a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Leonard Ward, that I uh, went to high school with back in the day, and he's a really avid bow hunter, um, very successful avid bow hunter, and he's going to be joining me. Um, and uh, I hope he's bringing his A game with his uh, twenty twenty vision there. <laughs> yeah, it should be uh, should be interesting, Troy. One thing I forgot to ask uh, is there javelinas down there, and we can we partake in uh, side distraction if we see some, or are we focus on you know what? We should maybe we should maybe add that as a bonus. You know, it's like uh, we might win by a javelina. Add that to, yeah, <laughs> like by a javelina hair or something. No, I, I think I, I think, think that's a draw for those. I think yeah, it's a draw think, for javelina. I think it is. I, I'll ask JP, but I I, uh, I would love to have some additional bonus. You know, sometimes when me and my buddies go out, it's like, hey, a squirrel's worth four points and a skunk's worth five. You know, it'd be fun to throw a few of those in. As you're, I've seen a picture of you with a badger, Aaron, that I saw you shot with your longbow. Is that what that was, or a wolverine? As a, oh, oh, well, I shot a, a couple badgers with my compound, and last year I shot a, a wolverine in Alaska. Like yeah, on that Napoleon Dynamite. I was in Alaska hunting yeah. wolverines. Yeah, I, I truly yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go up there for that, or was that just kind of a side thing that you ran into? No, we were on the top of the mountain range, and there was two of them fighting. And uh, it's like, hey, I can put my goat tag on a wolverine, right? And he's like, do you really want to do that? I'm like, dude, I've shot lots of goats. No, I don't think anybody shot a, a wolverine with a, a, a recurve. Like, yeah, let's go. And so we went down and ended up shooting it so pretty crazy that's cool wow i think one of the appeals from the viewer standpoint um is that you know this isn't a private land hunt that you know we're forking out 10 grand to go hunt mule deer on a ranch that's just infested with you know low pressure animals this is an over-the-counter area um in um, you know, western in the western states where anybody um, that has the gumption can go and buy a, a license and, and uh, we could bump elbow to elbow with them on the hill while we're out there. So it's very attainable um, from a opportunity standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And that, actually that's kind of one thing that I've, I've really loved about the show that we've shot so far has been that, that there are, you know, general guys out there we try to do limited quota units this one is actually over the counter 
Um, and we did. We had we had guys blow stocks on the elk hunt, and you know our guys were upset, and they're in a competition, and they just had to deal with that. And I think uh, that that will bring a different light to this show. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that shoot some really cool stuff out there. South, I mean, all the hunts that you've been on over the years, a lot of them, Aaron. Like I've followed a lot of your guys' stuff, and you guys hunt generally pretty pretty general hunting it's hard to draw or buy those tags that are twenty thirty thousand dollars and so i i wanted this show to be that i wanted it to be where guys you know really weren't successful every time because that's that's the real reality of hunting as we go out and just like aaron was saying you know tough deer season for you south and aaron seems like had a, a rough go on the elk hunt and we all we all experience that I just want to bring that to light as the reality of hunting. And with you guys going out with traditional archery equipment, like you're exactly right. I'm, I'm betting, you know, there's a low percentage of guys that are successful with that. If we can capture that on top of that with video, like videoing it brings another element. And, you know, there, there's just a lot that's going to be cool to, to discover and find out through this. But yeah, I, I think you're going to have a little bit of the general public out there running around with you. I know um, last year when I was in Arizona, uh, if you ever see those pre-runner, uh, you know, races where they're jumping the sand dunes and what, that's what it looked like getting to the glassing point in the uh, great Strait of Arizona <laughs> and OTC to a point by day five, I think we were getting to the glassing point at 4 a.m. Uh, to beat everyone there. And then, we were having pretty good success finding animals. So then we're watching people watch us to see where we're watching, uh, which was disconcerting at the, at the least. And then, you know, next thing you know, they're parked beside us the next morning. And so it could be pretty interesting. Could look like the Wasatch front, uh, mortal combat deer hunting. Um, be anytime you're dealing with the, the public, um, you know, generally most guys are, um, you know, fairly agreeable, like you can figure it out, but no matter what, there's only so much room in one area. There's only so many animals and, and, uh, it, it can, it can become kind of a bit of a pain in the butt. Um, South, you, yeah. you had to deal with it probably more than, than I did this year on your, your mule deer hunt. How many, how many people did you have in there? I think there was, um, including myself, 11 hunters in there. Um, uh, what's the problem? And that's that's more people than I've seen, you know, in the collective ten years that I've been hunting in there. So to say it was a little bit jarring and shocking would be an understatement because I usually, you know, I don't see anybody. And so this was like, holy smokes, what the heck happened? Well, and South, knowing you, South, as as well as I do now, especially like you, you and I have somewhat of the same background as far as a lot of backpacking the Pacific Crest Trail you know, woodsmanship, field craft, like a, a pretty good, like, like you're going to be okay no matter where somebody sticks you. Um, how much, like at one point in time, I would have said, I'll just out hike them or outlast them, meaning, okay, I'll just hike in farther. Well, that's kind of out of the question in Colorado because you're coming out of the wilderness, you know, by the time you've hiked past anyone because they're just not that big. And outlasting people, I've no, I've, I've noticed, um, people are getting tougher or, or I'm getting weaker because there's people now like I can't outlast people like I used to be able to guys are just getting better and better at it. And I can't uh, hike far enough to get away from anyone, you know, anymore. 
uh, people probably from ding dongs like you and I promoting backpack hunting, it's become kind of the new fad or craze or whatever, which is good and bad, I guess. Like it's good if you're not in my area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that we have done ourselves a disservice in that respect. <laughs> I think, you know, there's no way, uh, I mean, I'm 51 now and there's no way that, you know, somebody who's in their mid or, you know, upper twenties or thirties, even that's in really good shape that I'm going to, you know, out, uh, out gumption them on the trail and, and get further back in. But what I found, the only advantage that I found, you know, is experience and, um, and, you know, in heart, um, in that a lot of times, um, I'll see guys that will give up, you know, day five, seven, eight, like that, where, you know, if I've got the time, I know that if I just stick it out, then eventually um, people are going to get discouraged and leave. And uh, and that includes the people who are, you know, in exceptional shape. And it's just, um, it's been, you know, because of three plus decades of backcountry hunting that, um, that you know, I know that if I, if I put my time in, then that opportunity will arise. And, uh, and all I have to do is, is, you know, keep, um, keep a positive attitude and, and keep after it. And that's something I think that a lot of people, um, and, and here I go giving away more tips that are going to lead, you know, people to uh, stay longer now that they've learned how to get back in further, but, you know, just keep a positive attitude and, and, uh, keep, you know, keep plodding one day after the another. Cause really in the, in the end, if you think about it, it's uh, you know a seven to ten day stretch out of a 365 day period of time that you have to wait until the next time that you're able to get back up there. And I've I have in the past you know packed it up and headed home early, and uh, and then kicked myself the whole rest of the year for you know for uh, getting discouraged in a short period of time and and getting mentally weak and then bowing out. So. Um, you know, my, my best advice on that one is, uh, you know, if you're feeling like you're getting your tail kicked, then, uh, make a commitment to yourself that you're going to wait 24 hours before you decide to pull out. Um, and, uh, I mean, if you're flat out, you know, not having a good time, then, uh, you know, then, and then I guess maybe there's no shame in rolling it up and heading home and spending time with family that, you know, instead of suffering on the mountain, but. Um, there are so many times when I've closed the deal late in a, you know, long hunt when other, you know, other people around me have packed up and headed home. I agree completely. I mean, and we kind of, well, you and I talk, Frank and I, and, and, uh, either where we're together or apart heavily count on people giving up. Um, like yeah. we, we, I mean, that's, we've looked at each other and just been like, well, we'll just outlast them. Um, in staying positive during the the middle of it in in 2019 which is a year I'm trying to forget cuz I I I missed two very large deer one at 12 yards or something in the cliffs and I I was going to Alaska shortly after I climbed to the top of the the mountain and I called my my wife I was like I'm coming home I'm I'm done and she's never heard that in me before and she's like what do you mean I'm like I'm I'm done I got nothing left I'm going, I'm coming home. I'm, I'm going to see you an extra day before I go to Alaska. And, um, I went back in and ended up killing a deer that scored about 120 inches compared to 202, which is what the one I missed scored. But I got what I tried to convey from that in, in South. I'm sure you can appreciate this as well as you, Troy, but I paid 40, what, $1 for a mule deer tag. 
I got, you know, $4 million out of that tag. Like I got an unbelievable 11 days. I stayed on one buck, uh, was able to get a shot at it at 12 yards and then came back in when there just wasn't that many deer and was able to, to pull it off and take a deer out of there. It wasn't the biggest deer on the mountain. I'm not making excuses or anything. It's just the experience I got out of a $41, $41 tag or whatever it costs is, uh, you know, you can't quantify it in words. I mean, it was an unbelievable trip and you got to appreciate things for, for what they are or people, you will get driven off the mountain early. And, you know, in my case, I just try to, you know, stay positive. It's better than working, you know, like you may be getting down on yourself, but think you, you waited an entire year to do this, or maybe your entire life to go on this one hunt. How on earth could you possibly pack it in early but but people do i mean people do all the time and it's very easy to talk yourself off the mountain amen (laughs) anything to add to that troy oh no i mean i i i'm right there with you and i i think that you're gonna see the ups and downs um you know what's funny is you know we've we've now filmed these elk hunts and we had a little we had uh, an inexperienced team that was like zero to three years and then you know the more experienced guys and just talking to the videographers after that first week of those those less experienced guys, I mean, it was night and day. You know, you talk about the experience you've gathered south over the last 30 years um, hunting mule deer, and you think about how you can draw from that. And then I watched these inexperienced guys and the highs and the lows and the, you know, we had one team hike 14 miles in the first day and, and you know, run out of water and you watch the difference between somebody who's been 10 years plus experience and somebody that's maybe five years less experience. It is crazy to think about. And you think about the first three years you hunted and all the mistakes you made. You know, there's there's guys out there that want to get into hunting, and I think that that's, that's, that's really, you'll, you'll see that through this, this uh, these, these reality shows is the reality of an experience and how it plays into the success of your hunt and even the enjoyment. You know, you guys talk about, hey, I'm going to take the morning off, you know, and I'm just going to reset, relax. I'm not going to press it and go 100 miles an hour today. And you think about some of those things that you do because you've learned from your past mistakes. Uh, that this is the type of stuff that I think Hunt Wars will bring to light, that we want to bring to light, that we want to show guys is, hey, this is the things that you do throughout a six-day or a 10-day or an eight-day hunt. And we've got season two coming up next year. We're going to do some different types of competitions. We're going to have a a father-son or, you know, a youth youth competition. We're going to have uh, new animals and some new new adventures. And people can apply through our draw process. And it's a random draw. We pick a team. And that team's on the show. And I think having the different personalities is going to make this a really exciting fun. And every year we're going to pick a brand versus a brand like we're doing with you guys. And, and uh, we'll just have different matchups and different people. And, and it's just going to be exciting. So, yeah, that's kind of why I'm excited for this show. And I've already seen it happen. You know, like you said, the inexperience. It plays into it a hundred percent, especially on if you're successful. Yeah, I think uh, you know one of the you kind of highlighted it there, managing um, you know without exactly stating it, but with experience, um, you're still going to have those 
um, highs and lows and emotion, but I think through experience, you kind of learn to manage um, both expectation and those emotions, knowing, you know, that, um, you know, you blow a shot and it's, and it's not the end of the world, that you just keep after it and, uh, and you're going to eventually, you know, if you put in enough time, you're likely to get another opportunity. And without the benefit of experience, you know, you're on a five-day or I'll say a seven-day hunt and day five, you know, you blow your opportunity. And, and because your experience has been the five previous days of busting your butt and not getting a, a shot opportunity, then when you fail on day five, it doesn't feel like you can make it happen in those last two. And so it's just like this roller coaster of emotions. And that's one of the things that makes hunting, to me, so appealing is because of that. You know, because the highs are so high and the lows are so low, um, I mean, it's almost torturous, really, but it's, uh, it's incredible to, to constantly test yourself and, and learn more about yourself. It's an addictive torture is how I've described it to, mm-hmm. to people. The adrenaline rush you get from getting that close and then when you do screw it up, it's not like you're addicted to screwing up, but if you're a competitive person and goal-oriented, then like for me, if that happens, I've just multiplied my dedication level by 20 because I'm like, okay, I am not letting that happen again. Of course, I'm going to, but I'm going to try not to. And so I'm like, all right, I just got to get after it even more. And, you know, the, you know, never quit kind of mentality, just keep going. Even, and I'm sure South, you've been put in this position, but one of the things that just happened on a recent hunt where I was guiding a guy, um, the animal was arguably too far to get to before daylight uh, ended, before legal shooting light ended. And I was like, get your stuff. Let's go. Well, do you think we can make it? And I'm like, well, if we sit here, I guarantee we won't. But if Mm -hmm. we try, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we might. And, you know, for me, it's, it's just energy. It's just exercise. Let's just get up there. And a lot of people need to get that mentality because, nothing ventured, nothing gained. If you don't, I mean, what if you get out there and and you do, you have 45 seconds, a good legal shooting light left, whatever, a minute, a minute may be all it takes, but if you didn't get up there, you're, you're never going to know. And now you don't want to blow an animal out, obviously, but if there's a chance you need to take it. And it's hard for people sometimes to convince themselves, especially on a really rugged stock that's really far away to go after that because of the energy level spent. But if you don't go after it, you're never going to have your chance. And, and hopefully we can convey some of that, you know, as, as well to the viewers of, of, of just stay after it and eventually everything will kind of pan out. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you have a hike back in the dark. Yeah. And you get to, you know, you get like reflect for a long time, one foot after another. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's funny that, you know, how, and I, I, I've had a few times in my life where, you set out on a stock and all of a sudden you're like, you discover a new buck or a new elk, you know, a new elk starts bugling right below you that you never knew was there. And you're like, if I wouldn't have taken off after this, I would have never have ran into this bull or this buck. And it's just, you, you, you don't know what you're missing out if you don't try. Yeah. And I will say with the stick, um, now that I have to be more patient, what you just mentioned, Troy happens a lot where if I'm pinned down on an animal, and I'm waiting, the amount of animals that I didn't see 
may I may start to see or what may come in or you know if it's a bad wind and I'm sitting above them waiting for the wind to change um, the amount of things that now I've had time to to look at to where maybe with uh, a compound and again nothing wrong with compounds I could have maybe looped around and had a 75 or 80 yard shot but because of the wind I have to approach a certain way so I'm waiting for the wind to change and then all of a sudden I just picked up three more bucks or one more buck or it repositioned in even a better spot. And when you have that patience and you have to wait, um, it's actually kind of refreshing that I can, um, you know, say it with good conscience that it is amazing how much I missed before um, animal behavior, things like that that I get to see now because I just have to wait longer. I have to be more patient. And, you know, some of those like you truly know that you're mastering stalking when you can hear the deer chewing uh, when you're on top of it, right? Like you've gotten that close, you know, things like that. I didn't experience with a compound as much as I do now with a stick bow. But um, I think relay again, relaying that message and seeing how close you can get and, and kind of hanging your, your hat off of a close shot rather than a far one will, will be something hopefully South and I can convey. So so excited. That's that, that's exactly what what would be amazing to capture. I think that'll be really cool to 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 walk through those steps and how you guys break that down. Just I mean, just listening to picture taking. Like, I don't I don't think I've ever taken a picture, you know, like that. That that's that that's stuff that I'm excited to capture. So I'm excited to learn. Well, cool. Um, you guys have anything to to add? You guys, um, kind of, we can go over again. Um, the hunt starts, I guess, the fourteenth, so you can look at everyone's uh, social media pages for updates. Um, and then South, where can they find you and your business? And then Troy, where can they check out? You know, Hunt Wars is there an Instagram page? You guys want to list all that yep. out? Sure. So yeah, I'm on uh, Stalker Stick Bows Facebook and Instagram. And actually, um, while I have the the benefit of the audience here. Um, I just closed escrow on a new building um, earlier this week. They'll be moving my shop to first quarter of next year and I'm going to be hiring some additional help. So if somebody's interested in building bows and being part of the industry, um, email me your work history slash resume slash work experience. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, about building bows, but, uh, you know, it, as part of your work history, but south at stalkerstickbows.com is my email address. Pretty easy. Um, and uh, I will be hiring somebody here before too long. So I'm excited to be expanding and, and, uh, and growing. That's, that's awesome. Um, uh, for Hunt Wars, we're taking, we will be opening applications uh, here shortly for season two. And it's Hunt Wars with a Z. So it's just Hunt warz.com so hunt wars and then our instagram page is the same thing just hunt wars instagram page is where you'll find all the updates uh we'll we'll tell you when season one is is dropping out you know on the platforms on youtube and whatnot there as well so uh you can find uh us on both of those platforms and then uh apply go apply it's it's a hundred dollars per team to apply uh, for season two and then what we do is we put everybody in a hat draw it out and then start putting the matchups together so everybody has the same opportunity to be uh, drawn and participate in season two fantastic well this is going to be fun looking forward to it man yeah 
No, it'll be I'm good. Sharpening up my uh, my crap talking skills, and I'm watching <laughs> episodes of Jerry Springer to see how reality TV works. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hoping we get into some sort of wrestling match. You know, like oh boy, dog and South starts punching some general public, you know, guy. Like it's, <laughs> it could get rough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't want that part of it televised. <laughs> uh, right, that's, that's funny. Uh, we hang out with gladiators unleashed a lot with your former MMA guys um the the kidney shot um ratio is not good I can like first south you will not be receiving any kidney shots from me where you get Luke and Gatesy around somebody's taking a shot to the kidney or liver by noon guaranteed uh I I don't want to I'm already I'm already gonna have enough trouble I I don't want south sneaking in and hitting me in the kidney the morning of the hunt and I'm pissing blood trying to shoot a deer but uh well cool man you you just might wake up in the morning with the tight one tire removed off the truck like the earlier start yeah south be like man I didn't see anything well that's because you were doing something that's why you didn't see anything right Uh, I think, uh, I think though, like everybody tune in, hopefully we'll have service on the, f- the 13th, the night of the 13th is, a uh, we're all getting together and then the hunt starts the 14th. So, um, I'll do my best to keep everybody kind of abreast of what's going on on our end. And then South, I'm sure you'll, you'll do the same. Um, and then obviously the, yep. the hunt wars, W A R Z on Instagram, uh, there as well. So I really appreciate Troy, you getting this thing together and South, um, that you were able to do this. I, I think it's a good thing, both two, two primitive weapons going after it and people get to see how that works. So I, I thank you both. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm excited. Cool. We'll see you guys down there. All right. Sounds, sounds good. Great. Take it easy. Uh, see ya. All right. Bye.